boxing bag behind me. Yeah, I see. What's happening, people? This is the Solar Kid, and this is the Other Side of the Sun podcast, and we have Shanti. How are you, sister? I am well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually my new phrase word. I'm fantastic. Yeah, you look fantastic. I see you've been punching that bag there behind me. Yeah. <laughs> or should I say you're mooring the bag there? <laughs> Who are you mooring? <laughs> <laughs> my past. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Now I've got yeah. the bag at home as well. It's people don't realize how, like. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm like when people see me, I'm always dressed in black, like yeah. on a, on a sunny day. The bikini is black. Everything is black. Everything else in my house is pink. Okay, black yeah. and pink. Pink bag, pink walls, pink everything else. So, um, Shanti is a, a fashion designer, right? Is that a good word for it? Or do you have a, another special term? DJ as well? Um, at the moment, I call myself a dressmaker. Okay, I like that word. My Oma yeah. was a dressmaker. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of like trying to continue the lineage. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. My grandmother used to make all the matric dresses for all the children when I was, for all the, the, the girls from CJB and stuff when I was growing up. Now, let me, um, I, okay, let me, let me jump into how I am a dressmaker. Yeah. Okay. So growing up in, in, growing up in South Africa, specifically more in Cape Town, born in Joburg, grew up in Cape Town, grew up with my granny and my aunties that ran what? A sewing business. Mm-hmm. So the machines were going all the time and my auntie would make matric dresses. She would make wedding dresses, choir shit, curtains, yeah. the whole thing. So I grew up with the sound of the sewing machine. So it's not like, it's not something I'm scared of. So did you, did you actually study formally or did just, you, just, <coughs> you just learned it? Who is what's that in fashion design? In I'm, yeah, I'm seven that. years old, so how much? Forty-seven. Oh wow, you carry it well. <laughs> yeah, so growing up, like, what college were you going to to go and study fashion design? Yeah, no, there wouldn't be. And I mean, I spoke yeah. of the aunties that were older. That was the only profession that was really. I mean, they all worked in factories. My grandmother worked in a factory. You know. Um, I think for me, the entrepreneur ship side of things kind of came because my auntie didn't work in a factory she was the factory mm. so she had the machine and she was just running her business so there was always people coming into the house always people putting in orders so she was constantly busy mm. and I vowed to myself that I would never ever do that job because she was working Monday Stop. to Monday actually no she wasn't working on the Sabbaths because we were Seventh-day Adventists okay so you know, where in Cape Town? In Belleville. In Belleville, okay. Yeah, I went to Good Hope College, um, primary school, high school. I was Seventh Day Adventist. <laughs> Seventh Day Adventist. So, so that means that the Sabbath is on a, a Saturday, isn't it? Exactly. The whole reason why I became a DJ as well, because I felt like <laughs> I was losing out here. I became a designer because I was like, <coughs> I really want to buy clothes because all the clothes were being made for me. So I was like, uh-uh, I'm tired of wearing homemade clothes. I just want store-bought clothes. And then I couldn't go out anywhere. So I was like, nah, I'm just going to, if I can't go to the party, I'll just make the party. Nice. So. Yeah, that's kind of 
organically. So when did you start DJing then? I started DJing um, in 1994. Mm. Really started. And I just came back from London the first time. I was... in Cape Town? No. Joburg. Joburg in Yeovil. No way, Tandos. Hello. You're looking at Tandor right here. I used to go there. I was very, very young, but I used to be there. Can, I'm telling you, um, this is how Tandor started. So, um, and I challenge anybody to, to, to email you and correct me if I'm Yeah, wrong. leave some Please. comments there if you want to um, dispute. Leave comments. Dispute yeah. me if you like. Um, so I just came back from London and Tandor was running as a club, but the roof was just kind of like a, a, a gathering space. Um, the music around at the time was just kind of like, yeah, also. <laughs> house music was just at its beginning. Um, being played in clubs, really. But then Kwaita was just at its, in, I, I won't say infancy stage. Yeah, well, it was Scheme and those Owens and Unolikai and exactly. I thought it was in those days. Exactly. And everybody lived in Yeovil, so to say. So, you so know. Oskido had a, a, Oskido used to have like a, a stand outside Rippington selling hot dogs and stuff like that. Yes. So yeah. next to Tandor, there used to be another club. I forget what the name is. But that club used to be one of the first house nights. And then people like... Um, uh, what's his name from 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 Zimbabwe? He just passed away recently. Um, DJ, um, a radio DJ, went on to present stuff with Melanie, Melanie, whatever her name. Um, oh, um, Melanie's son. What's his, what's his name? Bob something. Bob, Bob Mabena. Bob Mabena. Yeah, so Bob Mabena used to DJ next door to Tando. Oh, that was one of the first nights. But then Kwaito came, and then. Um, but with Tandor was, I came back from London. I had met these amazing people like The Roots, um, loads of people. And they were sending me music. I, I had like the Erica Badus, the D'Angelo's, the everything. And I was giving it to DJs to play. But they didn't, they were like, I. Yeah, I, I, I always tell people the hip-hop scene was really, really small. Like I used to be involved with guys from the market theater, but we were like a small group of hip-hop. So kids. I was like, nah, 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 something's got to give. These guys don't want to play it. I'll play it. And because I had been exposed to the club life in London, I was like, wow, music. It was like I had Everywhere. a fact. I had, you know, soul. I had new, I had information. And um, so I just started playing the music that I was listening to in London. Maybe that's why. Did you used to play on a Sunday, like um, early evening to late that. evening? Yep. I used to so that's why it. that's why Mr. C and Rizzo, that's why we used to go because of the music. Because we all were into like, you know, the ones that used to that was me, uh, apples and pineapples and yep. what, what, what. Yep, that was me, yes. DJ. And I used to run the Friday night, the Thursday night and the Friday. No, Thursday night we decided, I was like, guys, make Thursday night reggae night only. Trust me, it's going to work. Trust me. Boom. Thursday night, it's still going to this day with apple really? Ask him. Ask Admiral. Go with, um, Appleseed and uh, what's his name? Admiral. Admiral. Ask them. I used to go Ask to that them. one as well, I remember. Ask them, who started your night, Thursday night at, at Tandor? Ask them. And then, so then it was like, I said to them, guys, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to run the R&B and the hip-hop 
early evening. We're going to get all the girls sexy, you know, get all the girls dancing. And I got all my friends. I said, put the tabs on me because if the girls are dancing, the boys are trying to dance with the girls, buying drinks. It's a vibe. Boom. Right. And it also happened. It was also cool because it was 94. Everything was amazing. Everyone was just wanting to like, you know. It was it was a great energy in the air, so it was fantastic to be able to just boom. Yeah, I was a lighty man. I was thirteen there up in the club. They just turned out. Um, <coughs> I don't know what I was doing there. <laughs> and then I decided to have an open mic night on Fridays, and I would play instrumentals. Nice. And so people like Snaz, um, Crooked, um. All these boys would come and tabs, uh, crooked, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would know who was freestyling and who was not because I was there every week. Um, Ishmael from Scheme well, yeah, was Ishmael. my MC. Okay, okay. So, like Admiral was Appleseed's, um, or Appleseed was Admiral's MC. Ishmael from Scheme was my MC. So we listen, man. That was. I take full claim for Tando. Let them come and take my... That was a spot, man. That was like, we used to go on the Thursday night. We used to go on the Sunday night. I don't know how, but like me, I was a naughty lighty. So I was not just there involved. But and then on Sundays as well was the jazz and the, the, the music I could play, whatever I wanted to, but also um, pool, snooker okay. on the rooftop. Yeah, we, cool. I remember that. Yeah, we had tournaments going and we had a whole clique of really cool people that could play. But actually, I've got some photos as well from the rooftop. And the thing about the, the thing I, I remember and enjoy the most about like Rocky Street was it was so multicultural. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and like in terms of like Africans and like South Africans and international. People white from black all black. over the world. Mm. Um, Rocky Street was amazing. There was... Not only was there um, Tando, there was a place called the Politburo. There was a night called Monday Blues that was amazing. Um, there was also this place called the Parrot or Le Paris something. But it was hidden away um, just literally behind Rocky Street. Um, yeah, it was such a cool time in Joburg at that time. And we won the, the Africa World Cup that that was yeah. 96 but i remember i remember brenda Passi getting down in the streets there in rocky street listen i have a iconic <laughs> night of brenda Fassi and leba matosa on an open mic trying to outsing each other and for me, it was like, why? Where's Instagram when you need it? Because yeah, if no. you need a camera to capture the most amazing moments. Um, we, we, yeah, Rocky Don't you Street, think that's what made it special about back then as well? Though, I absolutely. Guess. I absolutely think so. 100% agree. So, the, so, um, you did, so you basically only loved in Joburg when you came back from London, or you did you did the primary school and high school um, in Cape Town? No, I would say I lived in Joburg for about from 15 to, say, 18. Okay. Um, and then I went traveling um, for two years. And when I left South Africa first, I actually went to Zimbabwe. Mm. Yeah, I went to Jabert Park. 
and I took a taxi. Bird Park. Yep. When Jabir Park was Jabir Park. Have yeah, when there was still a park. It's a different place. Um, but Jabir Park, you could catch a taxi to Zimbabwe. Jeez. And I did. And I ended up um, taking a taxi to Zimbabwe, hitchhiking through Zimbabwe. People thought I was mad. Um, you were a lone ranger. Yeah. And then, uh, then I, I ended up in Mozambique as well. And they were like, that's okay, you saw. Don't you know the people are fighting? Yeah, I'm like, oh, I didn't get the memo, but while I'm here. Speaking um, about Aquarians, eh? Exactly. <laughs> don't need nobody. You just do your yeah, thing. Yeah, you can't contain it. Yeah, Even no. if you think you've got air in a glass, it's the glass is still full of air. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm exactly the same. No, I don't need nobody to tell me. I'm here, hoy. On my ones. That was never my sort of thing. I was like, why am I waiting for people to? No, we don't wait for people. Mm-mm. Yeah, man. So tell us a bit about um, <coughs> London and the fashion industry, and uh, you know your take on things. You've done quite a lot, I've heard. Um, yeah. So how um, how did it start for me? It it's it's kind of very just. I guess it's the Aquarian in me, um, but. I I was married and then I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> Let's just put that there. Yeah. And then so I moved from where I was living in West London and then I moved to East London. And um, I found a place and I was working. I was working at, what's that place called? Um, on Brick Lane. On Brick Lane, not Spitalfield though, no. Oh, that wasn't there actually. I was the door lady at this club. I can't remember the name, but my friend's husband owned it, so she organized me this job and I was the door lady. So anyway, I'm there on the door lady. And then it was somehow it was a very hot summer, and I decided to make myself a little dress, but literally only because being Aquarian, I don't want what other people have. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you like that? <laughs> You're always gonna be different. Always. I'm like already, you know, in my mind, I'm like already seven years ahead. So you know, and so I was. So anyway, I made myself this dress, and on the way to work, so many girls stopped me. Several girls tried to buy the dress off my body. Wow. They invite, offered to go into shops and buy me an alternative so they could leave with my dress, but I decided to just leave with their numbers. And promise to make them dresses, but they have to give me time. And that's kind of how it started. It's it literally started by me just one girl wanted a dress, and then I made her a dress, and then a friend wanted a dress, and then and then it was like, hang on a minute, why don't I just make 20 dresses and go to the market? And that literally is the story. It literally the engine kept going. So from one little machine, I had to get a bigger machine. And then when I got these machines, I was like, fuck, I don't know how these machines work, but I need help. So my the people I was employing to make help me make the clothes was teaching me how to make clothes. <laughs> so there I am. That's this the is the, that's, that's the this Josie. Is the, that is the no, Josie. This is the full circle because as I was kept on going more into the process, all these memories started coming back from just being observant, from watching my auntie's work and the memories from, from 
the school stuff that you did do. So my confidence on the machine was like, oh, that that and that does that. Boom, I've got this. Um, and the funny thing was, I never went into the clothing industry to go into the clothing industry. I just ended up in the industry and then kept facilitating the people that liked my stuff. Mm. And they didn't complain about the production. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm a dis- I guess I can make clothes. <laughs> and that's kind of like a lot of the times and, and up until a couple of years ago, I was always doubtful about my legitimacy in the industry. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I just kept supplying the demand. But it was like when my 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 uh, your colleagues, yeah, your yeah, colleagues, my, my, my colleagues, my peers, yes. um, when they pointed out to me, like, no, but you actually a designer. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I am? Okay, then. That's I shall be. I mean, all the way to doing, I mean, you did uh, Africa Fashion Week last year, I remember. I did Africa Fashion Week last year. Um, you know, I think for me, it's just one thing that I've learned in life, if I can get anybody any advice, is risks pay off. Mm-hmm. If you've taken a risk and you have survived it, then you know, sh- hey. There's, yeah. You don't lose anything by taking the risk, right? If I didn't, the scariest thing was sitting on that taxi going to Zimbabwe, not knowing what the hell. But because I took the journey, the aunties that were around me, they looked after me. They were like, hey, this one, she needs help. <laughs> but, you know, and so I understood about the spirit of, and, and being Aquarian, you, you're humanitarian automatically. So understanding the human spirit and understanding that I too have to be part of that vehicle of kindness because it, you know, the kindness that I received, I was in, I was in traveling in Africa for six months from Zimbabwe, ended up in Tanzania, in Dar es Salaam. And, and throughout that time, I spent a hundred US dollars, six months traveling, including transportation. Wow. The kindness that was shown to me set me up for life. Where I was like, you can attract, you know. I have to pay this back because it was so, you know, when, when people share with you that have absolutely nothing, you're, you, that, if, if that doesn't humble you, then, you know, or just say you. No, I completely understand. Literally, I've, I learned exactly the same way from friends of mine in Soweto and whatever. And like, obviously, me, I come from. High buck, past month, and whatever you know, selfish in this. But going but with people to we, places. We, hey? You know, um, I was born in um, Coronational Hospital. Okay. I grew up on Pierpoboom Street, right opposite CJB, oh. for from from one to six years old. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm from Joburg, <laughs> and I'm from Osman. <laughs> As a, and as a, as an Aquarian, you are a child of the universe, just like me, man. We, Absolutely, we of the universe. Absolutely, one hundred. I'm just saying, like when I used to go to my friend's house, now, like we used to go to to um, White City, and this bra go to his granny's house, and then the auntie comes and puts a sticky pop and a piece of chicken there, no sauce, no nothing. For me, I'm checking like yo, but like you say, that warmth and that uh, the way people, you know, just open their arms and and you know just share and like people, a lot of people have this perception of Africa and shit like that. But really, the majority of people are warm and friendly and really welcome. 
100%. I can attest to that 100%. And this is just a misconception about the information that we get. Yeah. And it really is information because experience opposed to information is two different things. You know, your experience with somebody as opposed to the information that you have of them is two different things. You know, I can tell you, nah, don't mess with him because he's blah, 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 blah. And then you meet the person, completely That's, different yeah, story. No. no, it's true. And you, you see know. living in the West, you know, the pictures that we get on TV and whatever, it's always a starving child or bloody gorilla or people fighting and this and that and all this stuff. And, yeah. um, and it was also, based on what you just said, it was extremely important for me to carry on in the the fabric and the the, the 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 fabrics I was using had to represent where I was coming from, mm. and although um uh, you know there wasn't something very particular to South Africa that but I wanted to represent the perception that people had of Africa, especially the way white women would look at these fabrics and and it takes me to the history of African print where it was a Dutch made fabric for the African market. However, the Dutch woman didn't migrate to the fabrics as much as the African woman did. So they kind of hijacked the fabrics from the Dutch. And the fabric itself is called Dutch wax. Um, so made by Fliscos. Um, the company started yeah, the it. Animal print stuff that people like to wear, basically. Yes, yeah, so that's kind of like the animal prints. Again, who is the manufacturer? Where does the, where does the fabric come from? So to, to make it for me, I had to use the print and then present it in a way that really would paint a different picture about Africa. So I made the dresses more contemporary, more accessible to everybody, you know, because first the aunties were just with the big sleeves. Oh my God, yeah. you know. I actually wanted to ask you because, I mean, obviously I've noticed um, that your designs have a lot of West African and, and Central African influence. And I mean, for someone... It's from South Africa. I mean, for me, especially being colored or bushy or whatever, like people never had a perception of Africa from outside of South Africa. Mm. So obviously, it, it shows that you understand and that you've traveled or you have a, a big, you know, understanding of the diaspora and feel a part of that diaspora. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also felt like the best way to represent my community or to let people know what's going on in South Africa from all aspects was to keep the business here. Mm. And for me, I felt like, okay, I'm almost like, you know, the SA Tourism Board in East London because I'm going to tell you if, you know, you come there like we're from South Africa. Oh, my God, South Africa. Oh, we're going. Oh, like, where are you going? You must go there. And then, obviously, you must stay at my sister's guest house in Melville. This is the address. <laughs> Sanjay, so I'm obviously like, you know, Promotion. Trying to promote the culture and promote the perception, you know. And I always say to, especially black people, when they go, oh, you know what, you know, Africa, I say, hey, you know, every time I go home, the plane is full of white people. Mm -hmm. And they're not scared to go to Africa. So why is everybody asking you to go to Africa? And you're from there, bro. Make no, it make true. It's true. It's true. Like, what are they doing? But I mean, like, yeah. especially living in London, you, like, <clears throat> for me, when I first came here, it's weird that I actually was introduced more to, to African culture. Like, I spent time with a, a West African drummer who was one of the first people to bring, like, djembe's, Baba Ade. And mm -hmm. going around with him and spending time with him. And, I, I mean, I learned to play djembe and stuff like that over a year. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I come from Africa. 
and yet yeah. I came over here to learn about the culture, the true history and culture. And, and you know, you, you consider yourself African because you believe and Absolutely. you like. Absolutely. I realized the best thing I did for myself was to go to Zimbabwe when I did. That's what I'm saying. That's such an interesting thing. Yeah. And, and you know, um, it put the bug in me because when I was, it was so weird because I had been traveling from, I mean, you know, if we go up, there's a certain time frame of my life when me and my friend, Unida, a.k.a. Gypsy, we used to hang out in Pinkies and Cadillac. <laughs> yeah, and we used to be like, yo, let's go to Durban, young. And then we would just catch our cock and hitchhike or, you know, back in the day, we were doing crazy shit. So yeah. I would have that travel bug, like, we'd be like, yo, let's go to Swaziland this weekend so we can... Boom, 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 guys. You know, so for me, from early age, I needed to travel. Okay. I needed to see. And when I stepped into Zimbabwe, I realized I live in Africa. Yeah. I'm African. That was when that it was when the penny dropped for me. Because from that time to South, living in South Africa growing up, my first thing, I was a colored girl from Bosmont and Cape Town. But now, a, I'm an African. A small, a small yeah. mentality to have. Like, and that's exactly. what I'm saying. We don't see beyond our borders. And that's why there's the xenophobia shit going down. You exactly. Know? It was only when I realized, like, yo, um, this is Africa. How big it is. How vast it is. How different it is. How important it is for me to engage with everybody. Mm. And not to <laughs> be biased. You know, so I couldn't. I was like, no, you, now you need to practice to be a real Aquarian, yeah? Humanitarian. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when it comes to the whole xenophobia that we have, really it's just the fear of, of the unknown. And it's a lot of people that, you know, they're just scared. And again, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Let me leave that xenophobic conversation alone for a second. No, well, let's go in. What do you want to say? Um, I think it's not just um, people on people not liking people. I think that there's such a deep, seeped in programmed history that allows these things to even exist. Mm. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The, the, our oppressors were fucking like the most intelligent people ever that they managed to separate coloreds, Indians, black, blah, 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 and then everybody yeah. hates each other. And Yeah, because it actually, I was, uh, sorry, I was talking to a friend of mine. This was actually a pre-designed program. It, there was a business, this was, imagine a business plan with the execution, with yeah, the time. Yeah, it, this it, is well thought of, man. Exactly what it is. You can take it from the, the, the slave trade um, from in, in America, in um, you know, um, the infiltration in the colored community, for me, the biggest question always was, where did the mandrakes come from? Yeah. Where did the stuff come from? Where does this shit come from? And why is it that it only targets this community? So we keep you guys in a low vibrational state so you don't actually use your minds. You don't come together because that's what communities does. We band together, we work together, we help each other. But what we do, we're going to put you in a low vibrational state, play you up against each other. We're going to make sure we give you guys this and we don't give you guys that. Yeah. So one group ends up um, um, being despising the other group. And so we keep the friction amongst you guys. Um, so you keep the, the, the attention of us. 
Yeah, and we just keep making the money and growing our and families. We're just out here, you know, building our houses while you're scrambling. Our kids, passing it down. Yeah, to our exactly, children. and so we keep implementing this system and we tell our kids, and it's not even like the kids are growing up with a racist bone in their body. Oh, no, it's introduced to them. Yeah. You know, Johnny, you can't play with them because blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then Johnny is just like, but I wonder, because Johnny wants to play. Johnny's a child. Johnny's a good Johnny's an innocent. <laughs> Johnny, you know, still got all his vibrations very high. And then you kind of block and break it down and break it down. So, you know, when it comes to, like keeping, when I say keeping people in a low vibrational state, alcohol, number one, one of the biggest Top system in Cape Town. Thank you. So now when all you're busy doing is you're poor, right? You don't have any jobs. You don't have anything. You don't have any food. Oh, you're depressed. How do you get rid of that depressed state? Oh, let me just drink it away. Even now if you, you have alcohol. a job, what do you do when it comes end of the month? What's the first thing you do? Vicky Vain for pain. Thank you. And then... You feed this habit, you feed this habit. Before you know it, your vibrations is so low that your moral code becomes lower. Yeah. And so you start seeing things that we, was unheard of before. How are you going to be messing with the children? How are you, you know? And, it's, and then when it happens in this, small, in this poor community and everybody's in the same situation, people turn a blind eye. Mm. I mean, rape is such a big, um, you know, problem in South Africa. It is a, it is a pandemic in itself. Mm, it's massive. It's really massive. Speaking of yeah. pandemic, how's your uh, pandemic <laughs> been for the past couple of months? As it, uh... um, you know, I'm okay. What did I do differently? Um, I realized for me that I was so busy. That I wasn't making time for myself. And I think a lot of people realize that. Yeah. Um, I was feeding the engine of my business constantly. So there wasn't any time for myself. And if I did make time, you know, that holiday that you have for two weeks, mm-hmm. that's enough. That's a rest. That's yeah. not a vacation. You're resting. Yeah, well, tell me, when you have kids, you don't even get the rest on those two weeks. <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's now I have lots of kids. I make them clothes. I have to keep them dressed all the time. I have to make them make sure they look good for their graduations and all. So I've got kids. Mm. But, <laughs> um, no, I just, um, I've already been, you know, the last two years, I really got more active. Um, I wanted more um, stamina. Um and I also realized because I was just eating rubbish and then I'd be overweight and then I'd feel a certain way. And once I started exercising, I was like, yo, I feel good. But it was mentally, the physical, whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, I, I never, yeah, my, I just liked the way my clothes fit. I didn't like, oh, girl, you look good because I, I think I look good. Yeah. So, um, but exercise was more for the mental absolutely helps um you know and then i i made it part of my everyday routine nice and then i also decided you know i gave up alcohol good for you yeah um it's been i don't i, I used to count the weeks but now i forgot so nice man <laughs> i don't i'm not counting anymore because i'm never drinking again 
No, but I mean, that's one of, like you said, you know, low vibrational states. Like, it feels good when you drink, but the repercussions and everything. I, I mean, I come from, you know, the family where my dad was, he's from Cape Town originally, and he was alcoholic. And he's clean now. It's been over 10 years. Mm. But uh, I remember what it was like, you know. Yeah. And he wasn't, like, it's not like he was a bad, but he was the most amazing, but he was functional. You know what I mean? Just, but, um, so the word, I'll give you a little interesting fact. Um, the alcohol is an Arabic, Ar- Ar- Arabic word that means flesh-eating spirit. Mm, that makes complete sense. They, they knew mm. what they were talking about. <laughs> I've never been much of a drinker in that sense. I was always Rastafari. <laughs> so that that's the thing, being Rastafari myself, I was like, listen, it's one out of two, babe. <laughs> you're either drinking or you're smoking. You can't do both. It's funny. I actually stopped that um, in the beginning of lockdown. Was smoking? Yeah. So it's been uh, over six months. But actually, I had a little one last week. Mm. But no, this thing is I always used to have with tobacco. So now I had it completely clean last week and I was yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that word in ages. Uh, I, know, I don't know why what made me say that. But um, yeah, I think now it will be more like an occasional thing, you know what I mean? Because I was just like relentless. Well, let me ask you a question. Where in Bosman did you grow up? Pierre de Berg Street. Where's Pierre de Berg Street? Do you know where Bosman Second Primary is? Do you know where the, the do you know where the park is where where um Mr. C and um Drizo and all of them used to bloom? Like okay, we, wait, we so the station. CJB. Mm-hmm. So towards Mariasburg, in the other direction from CJB, you go straight across, you pass where Biza, you remember Biza's house? Yes. You keep going further and then you get the park and the shops there and then round yes. the there by, by Boston Primary. Oh there. The real high box side of Boston. <laughs> yeah, that side, that <laughs> other side of the field. <laughs> the other side of the bridge. Yeah. You know, that bridge, like I I used to go home every Christmas. So I would be there with my cousins and um you know who you remind me of is um Derek. Um he used to live literally opposite CJP. On the corner, like literally, Derek. Oh, I'm gonna ask my uncle. The only people I know from that side there was um, my auntie used to live there, Auntie Cindy. Okay. Um, and Joanne, do you know Joanne and Liam? The, they were my no. cousins that lived close by there. Carl van der Haar and his many. We we live next to Carl van der Haar. They were number one, Pierpelboom Street. We were number three, people Pierpelboom Street. Yeah, so all these sisters and the yellow. Karen and. Karen Fatahar and, uh, and Bev, Bev Beverly? Mr. Van, so like with the, 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 the soccer and the baseball. And my father was very involved with that. So like I was on the, I grew up on the grounds, like basically. Yeah, Saturday yeah. Sunday, my auntie used to play softball. I used to play for Dazzlers. I used to play soccer there when I was back then. Yeah, I, I hold Carl and Brandon Fatahar responsible for my first injury. <laughs> they were bad boys. Oh, yeah. Very bad boys. They put me on a skateboard at the top of the hill and pushed me down, and I met the fence of CJB High School. Do you remember that house around the corner there, um, towards going the towards you? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about <laughs> that the other day, you know. 
was, I was thinking, what were those ladies doing? Because now that I understand people and stuff like that, I'm thinking that was, they, they were probably just misunderstood those aunties, man. No, let me give you, actually, when I was home last, I met a girl, so the same thing. We were like, no, you're from Bosman, where do you live? Blah, blah, blah. And she lived opposite the witch's house. <laughs> the witch. And yeah, they were called the witches. It was a I mother. Remember, I remember, I was going to walk through there when we were going to like new yeah. like, No, that was a dare. I yeah, dare like, to run through there. Because there was no fence, so you could go there over. There was no fence, and you could jump over, and then you would be in that other field where there yeah. was that canal thing, and, and then you could go, go the up to La Fiesta. <laughs> Yeah, because you go buy a bunny or whatever at Buffy. Exactly. Buff. 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 Mm. Yeah, that's what we used to call it. Mm. We're making buff. Buff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the the, the witches here. The witches is a mother and two daughters. She was a school teacher. Um, But yeah, they sort of just, I think their father died. And then... They just neglected themselves. Yeah, because remember they always had like orange hair. <laughs> like they looked uh, a bit weird. And, and because they didn't have the lights, most they did have candles. Most so when they would put on makeup, but they must not have just as a makeup because they must have water had. Okay. Yeah, they looked weird and stuff, man. Yeah, I was freaked out by that. On the as they would say, maybe now on the spectrum. Mm, yeah, probably. Do you remember now when it was like Guy Fox and then, you know, everyone is smearing each other and stuff. We used to go all the way up to there, but then the Owens from Nuclear used to come to want to smear us now from Bosman and then that's the crossway point at the witch's house there. And then you run. <laughs> you run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I used to, oh, growing up for me, my fond, like, honestly, growing up in Bosman, like... My Chris, my summer holidays were amazing. I'll never yeah, man, I remember summer was. I remember. I'll too. never forget. We we used to go to um. What's that? Do you remember? If do you remember? Okay. So when you crossed the, the into nuclear, mm. right? There used to be a cinema in nuclear. Oh yes, yeah. I mean that was before my. I remember like the remnants of that cinema, but I don't think I ever. Yeah. I remember like the, the building still being there for years. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I went on a little memory lane to you. Are you talking about over like in the cuss side more, like on the cuss, like on the other side of, uh, of the station, near just oh, near to yeah. where the hospital is? Mm. Yeah, now I remember that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but um, how weird yeah. is that now? So I come to London and I've, I mean, I've been here now since 2005 and then. I'm working with this bra, and then you happen to be designing his clothes, and then you're from Bosman. <laughs> Isn't it? It is, because I don't really associate that much with many South Africans. I don't know about you over here. I mean, I've got a few South African friends. Um, I have, do you know what? My best friends are South Africans. I yeah. But they don't live here. Okay, yeah. But that's they what I mean, like, over here, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, over here, I'm actually, you know, what's so weird now? My neighbor's South African. Oh, wow. And you don't My neighbor's South African, and we get on very well. He's um, he's a color guy from Cape Town. He's an engineer. Um, he's a raver, man. Okay. Exactly. So, I'm... Well, hey? 
You're still based there near Grow in Hackney. Yeah, I have my studio. Opposite oh, so that's opposite Grow. Yeah. Okay, so you actually yeah, live here. yeah. So I actually live here. Um, here is my section, which I built myself. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. DIY. Um, yeah, I split the studio in two. I made a work section and I made a love section. Nice. I mean, that's such a cool area, especially now that it's been built up in Crow. That's such a cool place and stuff. Yes, we they've been trying, you know. Um, <laughs> shame with with um, they're trying their thing. They're doing um, live streaming. I I actually DJ, and they live stream it. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, what stuff I'm, you playing? Um. So when I was um at. When I was DJing at Tandor, at that time, I was playing all the new music because it was 94. So imagine Illmatic. Yes. Oh what do God. with them? Um, things Fall Apart. Oh, shit. Um, Redman, Keith Murray, Rough Riders. You see, that, Bad- that was my shit, man. That was my... That's no, my can you imagine God. now, like, that is all the music coming out. And so... I would go DJ on a like I DJ on a Doggy Friday night. Came out that year as well. What? Which one? Doggy Style, Snoop Dogg. Dog, Dog, listen, Illmatic <laughs> and Doggy Style was. And Keith Murray, um, that was it Enigma. Keep coming with the raw metaphor. Um, so and I would say to myself, my early, I'm a I'm a hip hop head. Yeah. I'm also a jazz head. I'm also a funk head. Um. Um, I love reggae music. I'm not a headhead, but I'm also a bit of a music nerd. Um, and so when, th- so DJing, it was like, for me, if you ask me what's my comfort zone, music. Okay. But you're obviously a crate digger then. You still go and like source records and... Hello. <laughs> yeah, Nia. Yeah. Hello. Um, um, I'll tell you like, so for me, DJing was, I didn't realize I had a, a gift or, pe- pe- but I was like, nobody's leaving the dance floor. Everybody's going, you know, and I kept on being booked. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm a DJ now. But I was playing CDs. I wasn't like turntable specialist. <coughs> you know. And then. You're a selector. Yeah. So now imagine now I've got, I've got Blaze. DJ Blaze. Oh, and I've got Bradley. Bionic. <laughs> Bionic. And I'm the one getting the bookings. Nice. But I'm using CDs. And they're like, nah, man. You yeah, know. they were like scratch specialists and shit, man. Bionic was a G. No, I'm just a selector and I've got timing. That's why I got Ishmael. He's my scratch specialist. Because, nice. you know, so... And then Ishmael and I were just like, we had it figured out. Um... But what ha- what would happen was every Tuesday I would get calls from BMG Records, Sony, boom, boom, boom. And they'd be like, yo, I've got these new releases. So I would get all the new music. And before um, they may hear it on um, Metro FM on Friday afternoon and then hear it in the club on Friday night. So, That's dope. you know. Um, so for me, and I was also, what I remembered about DJing was, and I think that was the difference, what boys do and what girls do, is boys are very technical. And it's all about skill and timing. And, and you know, there's a lot of amazing DJs that 
there's don't get me wrong, but women are just a little bit more softer. They want a little bit more harmonies. They're going to be a little bit more, you know, happy. That's the thing. I mean, with the DJ, you really just want a good selector because you're not always, unless it's like a, a pure hip-hop, purist gig, and I want to see the scratching and turntablism. Like, people just want select. And that's why I wasn't a good DJ. I'm yeah. a good mixer. Like, when it comes to Deep House, that used to be my thing. Like, and I can still mix, yeah? But people never used to like that because, like, I I used to do warm up opening sets, but I could never keep people on the dance floor because I would always go into this weird esoteric only the shit that I like, you know, kind of vibes, and then people are like all leaving the dance floor, and then I let my browser come on after to get the the party started, you know. Secret I found to that was you've got to DJing is a job. It is it's it's a it's a thing. You've got to read the room. Yeah, you've got to look who's there. And that's what I would do, and and I would um I would see oh more girls than boys right I'm getting the girls on the floor, but then when I'm seeing like oh there's a bunch of boys came in, you're gonna make me lose my mind, oh, and then the boys are like whoa. <laughs> I just, watched, I just watched a documentary on DMX the other day, man, and and the Rough Riders story was so fucking sick. What's your um? So you said you was you said you were Seventh Day Adventist. So like, what are you now? Are you like spiritual, or do you believe in anything? Um, I believe in the universe and the fantasticness of planet Earth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you follow any um, rituals or do any stuff like spiritual? No, I don't. You know, um, for me and especially twenty twenty because it's a it's a year of, of revelation, so to say. Um, so many amazing things are happening on the planet mm. like amazing things and if i have to practice anything i want to practice love that's the religion i want to practice um by being um you know just being nice to people being just being cool you know because i think a lot of people are already in this anxiety of 2020 they <gasps> you know so my job is to be like Hey. Yeah. Don't take it too seriously. Like, yo, like we live in, like Get you know. one. we all die one day. <laughs> that's, that's that's the key because that's why those people are so then they, they they're so prescriptive. Because if you haven't made peace with yourself and the fact that yo, you live and you die, there's no way out of this motherfucker. Like there's no way out alive here, yo. Like you need to like really get to grips yeah. with the fact that you could go. You know, people want to just live forever or like, I don't know. Tomorrow's promise to nobody. So why not make the time? Why don't make every day like, yo, let's get it. Let's do, but you know, and it's, I'm not saying that every day is like that because, yo, it's a full moon today and (laughs) anything could happen. (laughs) But um, what do I practice? I want to, I think, I'd like to think I practice love. I'd like to think I practice kindness. Um, I think if you re- if you follow any religion, the the key frame there says do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. So yeah. that's how I look at it. You won't find me kneeling down with a bunch of people um, chanting a prayer to the heavens. You know, some of my friends are very into those uh, <laughs> things that I'm sure you've met. <laughs> um, you know, if I'm going to chant praise into the heavens, I'm going to do it my goddamn self. Yeah, um, oh, that makes sense. You know, um, but yeah, it's just, a, it's a fantastic time for the planet, depending on how you want to look at it. 
um, for me, it was a reset. It was time to go, oh, I, I, oh, I actually get a reset. Mm. I actually get time to sit down and refigure this shit out. Yeah, the only thing that I have to avoid by all costs is a vaccination. That's it. Me not get no vaccination, you know. Find no. them thing there. No, it's <laughs> the reason I'm training because if I'm gonna have to run, hey, at least I'm. You know, you think like me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. I'm there. I'm doing no. my thing. I'm like, no, oh, you're not have to run and fight. Take me oh, easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going willingly. Yeah, no, we're gonna stand and fight. We're gonna fucking uh, fighting. Um, but also, you know, um, for me, 2020 is the year that you've got to think differently. You really got to think love. You got to think yourself. You got to think health. You got to think everything that you know triggers you. Um, deal with it. Let it go. Forgive people. Forget people that. You know, you know, ain't no good for you. Yeah, that sounds pretty spiritual to me. You know. Hey, but that's just mathematics. That's how I look at it. It just makes sense to me. It's like okay, yeah, it makes makes perfect sense to me as well. And I mean, if if more people just realize that, yo, you know, religion is you. Your love is yourself. The universe is you. You are love. You are peace. You know, it's not about specifically going some way or performing a specific ritual. It's about loving yourself and literally loving others as well. You know what I mean? There we go. And I think it's the ego. I, you know, and I, it's, it's this little ana- anali- analogy, analysis. You know, don't try to analogy. use before. Yeah, that one. Um, you know, when you like listen to your inner voice. So when you listen to your inner voice it's your voice mm. they're sitting there go to meditate and want god to speak to them and meanwhile it's your voice in your head so that what that translates to me is god's within you mm. so surely if you listen to yourself you're listening to god in the sense because you, i mean yeah you know I don't know, I think that's what a lot of people like don't get, man, because I think people like Jesus and Buddha and whoever were just trying to tell us that. It's like, yo, like this is inside. You can do what I'm doing. It's inside of you, but you don't need to now go and write the whole book about this shit and like <laughs> why do you think there's so many different like sects within Christianity and Islam and all this? Yeah, stuff? everyone has their own idea or interpretation of this thing, and then it's like, yo. You need to do this the way I'm doing it. Otherwise, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. Exactly. And I think that's what's scaring a lot of people now. Or, you know, what's... It's like, okay, you have grown up Seventh-day Adventists, believing in the seventh day is Sabbath. And everybody that don't go to church on a Sabbath, you're not going to hell. Do you know what I mean? So you grow up and and now you're 40 years old and you have grown with that belief. And now all this information comes and says, hey, but, but, but. Can you imagine there now, there you are. You're going to be wrong and strong for long because it is the work that you have to undo of 40 years. You're just like, no, no. A lot of undoing. And some people are so mad that they got tricked into religion that they'll ride it out. You know when somebody 
they with the term it's wrong like, and strong yeah, for yeah, long. Yeah. For long. Yeah. Now it's like they have to just keep on going because that's yeah. Uh, and so now the as time the goes, like yo, so this Jesus that you got us praying to the bl- the blonde guy, yeah, with the the thing, right? <laughs> with the well, blue eyes. from uh, you know the Middle East where there's no blonde people, but yeah. You know, um, no, you know, and then all the news that we got from the all these, then we, let's take all the, the, the priests and the, the things that's been uh, uh, raping the children and then all the shit that gets exposed. And you're like, but now hang on a minute. When you look at cults and you look at things and da, 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 and I you feel about that shit, it feels cultish, man. It looks like a cult to me. Yeah, it feels cultish. You're worshiping one guy, did a day, you go on every Sunday. One guy with a fucking him. big hat that's got the yeah. on it. And you're trying to recruit people to come to your church, aka <laughs> cult. No, miss me with that. That's all right. myself. I'll be there in the field with the trees and the plants. Yeah, I know. Nice. You know, <laughs> with my. Yes. No, no, no. That makes sense, man. How do you find it when you go home? Just like um, I'm closing. Just one last question. Like, how do you find it when you go home with um, because all these types of things, religion, color, it's all shit that was programmed. I mean, like for me, I know it took me a while to get. Even though my parents were not like very like into like color and stuff, they taught us. I mean, my father's really dark. My mother's really light. So like, they they never taught us about being racist and shit. They were really open, but then. Obviously, there's people in your family that still have this thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It took me a while, like, just to get over it. And when I came to London, it was, you know, experiencing the whole world and experiencing, it's like, oh, shit, like, you're all the same. Like, you know, what is your problem? Mm-hmm. But then you are indoctrinated this way when you come from South Africa. That's why South Africans are generally, to some extent, racist, no matter who you are, what color you are. Yes, I so How do you deal with that when you go home? Like, you know, like, how do you... You know, because I have to prepare myself when I go home. It's like, okay, don't get into any debates about this shit because people just are the way they are. And that's how it is. Um, Exactly that. I first, I meet you with a big smile. So I kill you with kindness first. So you can't <laughs> fly your cock with me. I'm like, hi! And then they're like, oh shit, okay. Yeah, so I'm already making you rebalance yourself. Yeah. So now you, you know. Um, um. For me, I, I'm I'm happy to have all conversations in South Africa, all of it, because I have to. My experience is going to be the teacher. So, you know, when my mom says something that I'm like, I'm going to check you. If my uncle says something, I'm checking you. If you don't have information, well, I just go. But listen, obviously, you didn't get this memo. Yeah, let me show you something. <laughs> I, 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 I try to avoid those uh, conversations sometimes. I, 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 they used to go in a lot, but no, man. Um, yeah. How often do you go? Do you go still quite often? Um. Well, I was meant to go home this year to surprise my niece for her twenty-first birthday in April, but then guess what happened? Yes, yeah, yeah. Corona. The Rona, so, baby. Corona. The Rona. Oh, I don't want to know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. so that's, um, I, in all, to be really honest with you, it all depends on what the hell is happening next with this vaccination situation. Um, if they say you have to be vaccinated or you can't travel, I guess I'm staying in London. Mm. I saw that whole thing about um, 
if you don't get the vaccination, you can't travel. And as soon as yeah. they want to make it the whole conspiracy zone. If you don't get vaccinated, you won't be able to go anywhere or do anything. So yeah. yeah, um there's a post woman's child came back home from school with a with an injection already. What? Yeah, I'll send you, I'll tag you on um thingy. She's livid. Um English mom came back, she gave no consent. They've been vaccinated a kid already. Yeah, I... yeah and that's how this is this is how they're gonna get you. Conspiracy theory or not, because what's happening now is that conspiracy theories are becoming conspiracy facts. Um, what they want to do is they're going to kids back at school, and then something happens at school, so then they detain they have to keep the kids and quarantine the place. And the only way you're going to be able to come and pick up your 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 vaccinated child is if you're vaccinated yourself. I, me, I got three children. I so <clears throat> if they um, take me, <laughs> come help me, please. <laughs> um, I would, if I'm you, um, consider homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I did it like when the, the first lockdown. It's really hard. It's fucking. Yeah, I can imagine. But if you want, I can. How old are your kids? Eight, uh, seven, four, and three, two. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's hard because I'm working all the time. I'm busy studying at the moment. Um, either you you just look into the information. You can um, <clears throat> you can definitely um, say you don't want it. You can write a letter. Make sure that they you're completely protested. But you must also make sure that you tell the children that if that is presented to them, they must say no under any circumstances. Mm, yeah. Because what they're trying to do is. They're trying to get the kids to one point where the listen, I don't want to scare Mongo you, but what I want to say to you is do some research on the subject. But um Shanti, thank you so much. That was uh, amazing. You have been ready. Yeah. Really good to talk to. Is there any mm-hmm. last things things you'd like to say? Or you'll send me your like links and I'll I'll, I'll put it in the description. Um, yeah, um, um, anybody want to come up to my pop-up shop at the end of the month um, in the Grow area, you're more than welcome. Um, at my socials, I'll be um, posting on there. And drink water. 20 minutes of sunshine. Um, hug your family. And um, be nice to people. Bless. Blessings. As it's been uh, the other side. What's that? (laughs) And don't drink alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. I don't know how some people feel about that. But um, thank you so much, Shanti. Um, It's been the other side of the sun podcast with me, Solar Kid and Shanti from the house of Shanti. And um, guys, if you have comments or you want to like dispute some shit that me that we've been speaking about today, please uh, leave it in the comments. We'll get back to you and uh, <laughs> we'll discuss it further. Peace. All right. Take care.